Hey, this is Maracuya at Reformed Eve, and I hope you're having an amazing day. If you're starting the day with this podcast, good morning from whatever country you're from. I'm just excited that you're here. So today I want to talk about what the Bible says about marriage. The Bible says a lot of things about marriage, and this message is for everyone. It's if you're single, if you've been married five times, like the woman at the well, right? If you are in a happy marriage, in an unhappy marriage, if you're divorced, it's for everybody. So Genesis 2 mentions that marriage is God's idea. So in the beginning in Genesis, we read that man and woman were made for each other. Genesis 24 mentions that commitment is essential to a successful marriage. The Song of Songs, or written by Solomon, which if you read can get kind of graphic with some of the sexuality in it, (laughs) uh, mentions that romance is important. And the Song of Songs goes into how romance is not only important spiritually and emotionally, but physically. So that's something really interesting to read. Jeremiah 7.34 talks about how marriage holds times of great joy. Malachi 2.14 says marriage creates the best environment for raising children. Matthew 5.32 talks about how unfaithfulness breaks the bond of trust, the foundation of all relationships. Matthew 19.6 mentions that marriage is permanent. Romans 7 2 talks about how ideally only death should dissolve marriage and Ephesians says that marriage is based on the principled practice of love not feelings and that marriage is the living symbol of Christ in the church and finally Hebrews 13 mentions that marriage is good and honorable I wanted to go back to the point about how marriage is based on love but not feelings You might be thinking, aren't they the same? When I was young, I made the mistake of thinking that love was just based off feelings. And a friend of mine told me that she believed love was based on choice. And back then, I didn't want to believe that. I thought feelings guide you and your heart was all-knowing and things like that. But I found out the hard way that feelings lead to a road of... um, desperation, despair, sadness when it comes to relationships, especially if the foundation is not Christ. Honestly, if you're in a relationship where the foundation is not Christ, I hate to say this, but it's not going to work. Um, And I'll probably talk about this later, but it's just been a really bad road when it comes to being with someone who's not equally yoked to you and that's actually a bible scripture but again i'll talk about that another time but um when we first see somebody we get these butterflies we get these weird feelings we get these excited feelings these feelings kind of give us hope and we start imagining futures and everything but then like the first time we see that significant other that we put on a pedestal maybe like pass gas or burp or do some kind of weird thing that we're like ew why is he not putting his clothes in the hamper but instead throwing them beside the hamper things like that we start seeing that the ideal person that we really were like lusting over is not perfect 
So imagine how God loves us when we're not perfect. We sin all the time. We put him aside. We even reject him. We partake in weird activities that have nothing to do with God and have everything to do with the devil. We pretend he doesn't exist. We sometimes pray only when we need his help. So imagine how God feels like. Imagine how he sees us. Like people who just ask you for things when you need it and don't give you thanks when you're, you know, when you're just existing, I guess. And um, we don't really respect or honor God the way that we really should. And that's something that we need to kind of become conscious of and change. Something we don't realize that, that is that the Holy Spirit is always talking to us, but like we know, it's a still small voice. The only way to be receptive, to hear the Holy Spirit, which we can call our conscious, right? Is to read the Bible, to pray, and clear our slate of sins by asking for forgiveness. So in these ways, Ephesians says marriage is a living symbol of Christ in the church. And also that marriage is based on love, not feelings, which are actually two distinct things. Because you choose to love somebody, even though they're not perfect. When it comes to Adam and Eve, God gave marriage as a gift to them. They were created perfect for each other. Marriage was not just for convenience, nor was it brought about by any culture. It was instituted by God and has three basic aspects. One, the man leaves his parents and in public act promises himself to his wife. Two, the man and woman are joined together by taking responsibility for each other's welfare and by loving the mate above all others. Three, the two become one flesh in the intimacy and commitment of sexual union, which is reserved for marriage. Strong marriages today include all these three aspects. And have you ever noticed how a little child can run naked through a room full of strangers without feeling embarrassment? He's not aware that he's naked, just the way that Adam and Eve were not embarrassed when they were naked in the Garden of Eden before the sin happened. But after Adam and Eve did what happened, did the sin, they were embarrassed, they felt shame, they felt awkwardness. So these were actually barriers that were created between them and God. They were even trying to hide from God. We often experience these same barriers in marriage. Ideally, a husband and wife have no barriers. Ideally, they are fine exposing themselves to each other, like physically, emotionally. Like Adam and Eve, we put on fig leaves barriers because we have areas we don't want our spouse or God to know about. Then we hide, the way Adam and Eve hid from God. In marriage, lack of spiritual, emotional, intellectual intimacy usually precedes a breakdown of physical intimacy. In the same way, when we fail to expose our secret thoughts to God, we shut down our lines of communication with Him. And then when that happens, the snake, the serpent, the devil, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, he comes in quietly saying, Hey, your wife, she's not that pretty, right? Uh, look at your secretary. She's looking pretty hot. Or 
Well, my husband's kind of old and boring, but this young pool guy, he's really looking amazing today. Let, let me go offer him some lemonade or something. <laughs> so anyways, that's kind of how the serpent comes in. The Holy Spirit is then muted, and then the evil seeds are planted, and then weird bad things happen, and your life starts going into a downward spiral. I want you to know that even though your marriage isn't perfect, like the Bible has this strong marriage where like you were virgins and you only had sexual intimacy with each other and things like that. Like almost none of us are like that. <laughs> it's kind of rare for someone to be like that perfect these days because we've all made some extremely, extremely stupid mistakes made some drunk decisions maybe who knows so all i know is that jesus is a redeemer right jesus can cast your sin as far as the east from the west jesus turns your sin that are that are crimson crimson white as snow jesus knew about the woman in the well who had five husbands and was even like staying with one who wasn't her husband and he talked to her and he made her aware that he was fresh living water that her soul needed why did he think that her soul needed that she was obviously looking for love in the wrong places but jesus still loved her the way he loves you so even if you cheated even if you're divorced several times even if you're like having like sexual intimacy outside of marriage, you know it's wrong. I'm not here to tell you that it's wrong. You already know in your heart through the Holy Spirit what's going on in your life. But it's never too late. It's never too late to pray to God and ask Him for forgiveness and ask Him for a new heart and ask Him for advice, right? So let's pray right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day and all the wonderful things that you bring to this day. Thank you for the blessings you have shown us in our lives, even if we have failed to see these blessings and thank you for them in the past. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to ask you for forgiveness for our sexual sins. We want to ask you for forgiveness for any time we've had like sex outside marriage or we engaged in pornography, or we hurt our spouse and significant others in ways that left a permanent mark. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that you can restore all things and make them new through Jesus Christ. We know that you love us, and we know that we have royal blood because you are the King of Kings. Please forgive us and make us brand new. Please put good ideas in our heads and in our minds and hearts so that we can be better friends, better significant others, better spouses, and we can walk in the light just as you walked here on earth, as a light for others to see, as a light for others to emulate, as a light for others to follow and to be inspired by. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast and I hope, you know, you and your spouse or you and your significant other can have kind of an honest, open relationship where you both put Christ in the center. Because I promise that the only way it's going to work is if Christ 
is the foundation. Otherwise, anything built on butterflies, lust, and good looks is just the foundation, like, made out of sand. Okay, so, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing day. And until next time, bye.